This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jackie for Julie for a while, who is 24-7. And before we get going to recapping not only the Virginia stunning win against then number 10 North Carolina, and also talking about their upcoming game against Miami. Why don't you go and like this channel, like this video on YouTube and click on the bell so that you're notified whenever there is a new video on the channel. But then also head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, either in Spotify or on Apple and review and rate us. So as you can see, this is not my normal setup if you're on YouTube. And if you hear the audio is a little bit different, it's because I'm actually on the road. So as I said last week, uh, I would be in Charlotte for both the Virginia Women's Media Day as well as the Virginia Men's Basketball Media Day. So um, Coach Box and Sam Burnell and Cameron Taylor spoke to the media on Tuesday. And then Tony Bennett and Ryan Dunn will be available for Virginia on Wednesday. So I'll have full coverage on Wahoo's 24-7, which is why if you're watching this on YouTube, you have a beautiful scenery of the hotel room that I'm currently at in Charlotte, North Carolina. So um, so we are actually doing a little bit different. Their initial plan was for me to have two episodes, one focusing on the game against North Carolina, and then one to focus on the Miami game. But because the travel situation with me coming back from Chapel Hill on Sunday... And then on Tuesday, leaving at 6 in the morning to head to Charlotte so I could uh, be here for the Virginia women before their time to speak to the media. There wasn't a time for me to shoot my podcast video on Monday. Um, there wasn't just no opportunity because I needed to get stuff ready. Um, so we are doing kind of a longer episode. Um, I'm still posting this uh, Tuesday night. Um, so I'm shooting this Tuesday night, but... I will be posting this on Tuesday night. So we're going to do a recap of what the standout stuff we watched against North Carolina. But then we will have inside the U.com's Christopher Stock on the show in the second half. And he's going to break down the Hurricanes a little bit for us so that we can preview the matchup as well. Since I will be traveling back to Virginia on Wednesday night. So it'll be a little harsher turnaround since I'll have. A lot of interviews to get through for the next two days on Thursday. And all that stuff is going to come on while it was 24-7. We also are getting a lot of recruiting updates. 
since Virginia will be hosting some official visitors for their home game against Georgia Tech. So a lot of stuff is happening all at once. So it's a it's a fun time, but there's not many hours of the day. So that's what we're doing for right now. Um, so let's talk about that win against North Carolina because that was a great win for this Virginia program to go on the road and get the program's first ever win against a top 10 opponent um, in their history by beating UNC 31 to 27. They're now two and five on the year, 102, one of two in ACC play. And they still have an opportunity to continue to turn their season around and an opportunity at the bowl if you look at their schedule. Um, so they have something to play for. It's it's different if you go into this 0-3 against Miami and then 1-2. You know, w- During the prediction show that I talked about, game-by-game game prediction, I said that the games between UNC and Miami, every time that UNC and Miami are on the schedule, you think that Virginia can steal one of these games. Now, they beat UNC last weekend, but this Miami team, and I guess we're doing that more in the second half, but this is also a big opportunity for Virginia to streak three consecutive wins, something they haven't done in a while. So that's definitely something to bear to watch when we talk about that Miami game in the second half of the show. So let's talk about this UNC game. So the key turning point for me in that game was when they were down by 10 in the third quarter, 24 to 14. And Virginia didn't just lay down and lost the game. They didn't allow those self-inflicted wounds to continue to fester and let UNC run away with the game. Virginia went 74 yards on 13 plays, and Mike Collins scored the touchdown to help Virginia claw back uh, within a score. And that fight is what took them from a team that had a few self-inflicted wounds to a team that had its best-focused game. I guess that's how you would phrase it. It was a game that Virginia focused really well and was able to play probably the most consistent through four quarters I've seen. I mean... There were still two turnovers in the end zone, which they want to clean up. I mean, when you look at an upset like things, you think that UNC uh, won the turnover, uh, that Virginia won a turnover uh, battle, but they didn't. They actually had two turnovers, and they lost a turnover battle against North Carolina. But they were able to fight back and make players were making plays. As um, That was something that Tony Elliott mentioned as well. And you heard from the players coming into this podcast they were they meant a lot to see the confirmation of everything they worked hard for coming together and you saw that in how they attacked on the offensive side of the ball i mean it was uh, i know that when you look at the 55 passes to 30 yards passing you think it's not really balanced but i think it was a balanced performance offensively when you look at 220 yards on the ground to 208 yards passing um they had averaged 4.2 yards per carry you had paris jones who I still think is the most underrated running back Virginia has, um, he's often forgotten. And he's probably, again, uh, the most consistent back. And he's he showed um, and he's earned his his playtime. Um, and you have Mike Collins, who had an incredible game, rushing for those three scores. And then you have Kobe Pace as well. All three of them contributed in that win. Um, Virginia had 436 total yards of offense in that win. And I think the big key for them is in that fourth quarter, they averaged seven yards per play. They were able to stay on the field. They won the time of possessions with that running game. And that all played a factor in this game. Yes, there were still a few things that you're like, 
there they need to clean up. Like when you look at one of those turnovers when Tony Musk threw the interception, which was a poor pass, but at the end of the day, it shouldn't have never happened because there were first and goal. You got another had a hold, which made it first and thirteen, and then Tony Musket threw the pick. So again, those ill-timed penalties kind of come into play. A offsides against Chico Bennett. There's there's a couple of things that you see in that game that still need to clean up. But the thing is, they still made the plays to counteract those, and that's what Virginia needs to do. They need to come up with those big plays. Those Cohen King break, pass breakups, the coverage that Sam Westfall did in a couple of plays the coverage that Tavon Kyle did in the game, the the ability, the ability for James Jackson and Cam Robinson to help stop the run. Those are the things that helped Virginia kind of move over and beat UNC. Offensively, they had a lot of improvement. I mean, honestly, they should have scored more. They went 8 of 18 of third down, second best showing this year, and they had six red zone trips for four touchdowns. That's all really good stats when you think of what Virginia has done in the first half of game. So again, a lot of good things. Malik Washington, another 100-yard receiving game. So plenty of things to like about Virginia. And honestly, I can't talk about this game without talking about that offensive line. Virginia's offensive line has progressed in every single game. I know I've had a lot of people kind of hate on me a little bit on the message board when I've said that you can see steady progress from the O-line. And if you pick up a couple games every year, You've seen the little things. And I think the key was that Terry Heffernan and the staff have been pretty quick to kind of rotate guys or to try to tweak it and see what works. I mean, the move to Brian Stevens at center is still the biggest change for that group. He definitely steadies that O-line. And then what they did against UNC, they moved Ty Furnish back to right guard. And then Blake Steen, their right tackle, and he participated a lot more, getting more snaps. And Uganda Nana is back to guard. Um, that's his more natural position. He played tackle for a couple games. It seemed like he was still struggling a little bit. I mean, learning a new position. Then Jimmy Chris was working back to health. So you have a couple options on that right side. The left side has been pretty steady, but it seemed like they had their best performance. I mean, overall, you can tell they were getting some push. The run game was there. I mean, like we said, over 200 yards rushing, the most rushing yards since a ACC game in two years, um, the most this season. So... They did a good job establishing the run, which opens up so much. I mean, Tony Musket was able to get some yardage on the ground, and he was able to get some passes out because of that run game. I mean, they were able to control time of possession, keeping UNC off the field, which also allowed them to win the game. Defensively, I mean, they're still missing starters. I mean, I feel like every time we talk about this Virginia team, I feel like people gloss over those injuries and I know it's like well, injuries are just an excuse but I mean go the starters that are missing on that defensive side of the ball I mean kudos to this defense for stepping up against UNC I mean yes when you look at UNC they still were able to amass 490 yards 347 in the air 143 on the ground and they still had two explosive touchdowns I think of 25 yards or more but they they also were able to stop UNC. Like I said, they they had some very key stops. I mean, they were 0-2 with fourth down. And UNC was one of the highest percentage when it comes to third down third down conversion. And they were 4-13 of 13 against Virginia. So Virginia's defense stepped up. Drake May was never comfortable in that game. So Virginia defensively also had some very, very key, um, key moments. 
And UNC, too, I mean, we talked about this in our five prediction story. I was worried about the depth on the defense. I didn't know if they can keep up with UNC, but because Virginia's offense was able to control the time of possession, Virginia's defense was able to keep UNC out of the red zone. I mean, UNC was two for three inside UVA's 20, but they only had 10 points. That's what you want from your defense when you're facing off against an offensive powerhouse that was UNC coming into that game. So that's what you say when you talk about they need to play complementary football. The offense stayed on the field for longer so that the defense, who has some depth concerns because of injuries, didn't have to keep on the stay on the field and getting gassed, and then they were able to make those key plays. So a lot of things um, were just working. I mean, they were playing complementary football. I mean, special teams had their best outing of the whole season, maybe of the last two years. Um, Daniel Sparks averaged 50.2 yards per punt. Matt Ganyard was good on kickoffs. Um, UNC didn't have a kickoff return of more than 15 yards. I mean, they were, everything just sort of clicked. And even when you looked at the coaching decisions, there were things that we brought up in previous shows about the coaching staff maybe not going as aggressive as you would have liked, but they came out against UNC and said, if we were past a certain yardage marker, we were going to go on fourth down. And they did. They went on fourth down three times, and two of the times they converted, um, there was touchdowns at the end. This game against North Carolina, what we saw is the things that we saw in the first couple games of the season. You know, against Tennessee, there was just, it, it was the first game. They were overwhelmed. There was a lot of things that didn't go right. But then slowly, every single game afterwards, you kind of took a few things and you said, okay, we saw a little bit of improvement on this side, a little bit of improvement on this side. They just couldn't play four quarters. Against North Carolina, you played mostly four quarters. But you also were able to see a couple of things get pieced together. You saw that the run game that you saw in William & Mary, that you're worried was this the run game because there was William & Mary, or was the O-line in the run game finally kind of moving to the right direction? Against UNC, it shows that they were finally moving in the right direction. You got some guys back on that defense. Paul Akiri was back. Ben Smiley was playing his second game. You were able to see those guys playing conjunction. Paul Akiri made... That big pressure on Drake May and hit while he was throwing the ball where James Jackson picked off to seal the win. Those are the that's what Paula Curie brought to the team. So you're seeing how those players getting back to full health and what they contributed. So now it's just putting it together and you know, getting another win on the road against Miami. Then you have Georgia Tech at home, then you have Louisville on the road, then you have Duke and you have Virginia Tech. You're still playing for a bowl game. You're facing a Miami team that's had ups and downs this year. I know that their D-line is going to be tough. I mean, Virginia's faced several defensive lines in this in this season that are pretty physical and pretty tough. So they've been battle-tested to a degree. So they need to go to Miami and kind of show the same fight they show UNC. And then Miami is also coming into this game after a high of beating Clemson in overtime. So you have two teams coming in from an emotional win facing off against each other. So you're trying to see who, is anyone going to have some emotional hangover from their respective wins. But if you've seen these two teams battle well out in the last 10 to 15 years, I mean, there are times where Miami was the overwhelming favorite and Virginia was able to sneak a win. I mean, we all remember last year's game where it was a game where both offenses just struggled to put points on the board. 
So again, this is a, a game that um, it'll be interesting because on paper you would pick Miami. So because of the talent and some of the mismatches and one-on-one -on -one matchups that you think Virginia, I mean, for Miami would win. But in my mind, it kind of depends on what my what Virginia team goes out there. I think what the game against UNC shows, and again, we've seen against Willie, we've seen it a little bit here and there, is that they won two games um, this year, and they won one in the beginning half of the season. But that JMU game, you saw that they were playing better. Even that Maryland game, it kind of that fourth quarter, they let it. It will fall some of the self they let it get away from themselves. So Virginia is one quarter away in a lot of those games, and you saw them all come together at UNC. So you're hoping that they can string these games along. And I think Miami, there's some mismatches that they can take advantage of. And again, we're going to have Christopher Stock coming in after the break. So we're going to take a quick break so that we can then get Christopher Stock on the show to talk a little bit about the hurricane. And then we're going to talk a little bit about recruiting because as if you're Wahoo's 24-7 subscribers, recruits were watching against North Carolina, and they watched Virginia make national headlines for stunning UNC. So we'll talk a little bit about recruiting as well. So we're going to take a quick break and then talk to Christopher Stock and also some recruiting. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast if i didn't watch this game and i knew that virginia just beat north carolina i would think north carolina had to be minus four turnovers maybe minus five virginia lost the turnover battle and still won and i'll tell you what a lot of folks out there took notice of Terry Heffernan's offensive line is what they took notice of. I had a coach hit me up today 
and said the same thing. He said, I was so surprised by this, but I just went back and watched the film. It wasn't surprising at all. Virginia's offensive line just whipped North Carolina. And that's Josh Pate from Late Kick talking about Virginia's O-line performance against UNC. And that group is going to have a tough test against Miami. And welcome back to the good old podcast. I'm Jackie Ferranciulli for Wahoo's 24-7. And as you can see, Christopher Stock has joined us in the show. He works for InsideTheU.com 24-7 site. That reports on Miami. Christopher, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, glad to be here, Jackie. Looking forward to talking about this game. Uh, both teams certainly coming off a win. I know that's exciting for both teams. Yeah, an emotional win for both teams. Um, you obviously have to think about the emotional hangover for both of them as they kind of go into this matchup this weekend. But before we kind of get to that, I want to hear your opinion of the Miami season so far. It feels like it had a couple highs, obviously a Texas A&M win. Then obviously some lows with the loss to Georgia Tech and UNC. Where do you think things stand as far as where they are and at where PC's expectations were? I think without question, they're definitely better than last year's team. So if you take that into consideration, yes, it's an improvement from last year. You know, with that 4-0 start, uh, you know, being Texas A&M, they had the bye week there. You know, they look really good in non-conference play, both sides of the ball, offensive, defensively. Uh, and, and both sides, you know, with running and passing, all four major categories in that sense, a lot of things look really good, a lot of encouragement. You get in the top 25, you start looking at some odd stuff, and Miami's got a chance to, you know, compete at the top of the ACC. Clearly, Florida State uh, looked like the class of the conference at that time and still does, but Miami looked to be in, in the next group and potentially being in the ACC title contention in terms of getting to the championship game, and, and all that went away, you know, losing to Georgia Tech. A lot of the, you know, even with all the positive stuff that that happened in the non-conference, and it, it's really hard to ignore. And I know they just got a good win against Clemson. You know, they didn't play. Uh, they got outplayed at North Carolina and lost that game, um, certainly in the second half. It, it's just kind of a, I, I think really, and we'll get into this, but it feels like still just week to week, we'll see what team shows up, even though, again, they're better than they were a year ago. They still can have a, a successful season. But like I said, they're not going to be in the contention to be in the championship game like it looked a few weeks ago. But still, they've got some exciting players, some young guys. Um, there's reasons to be excited about this team. And again, uh, much better than a year ago. And they can still have a good year. But I think we're just kind of week by week waiting and seeing uh, which team shows up and how well they play. Yeah. You know, when you look at the Clemson win for this offense, it wasn't, you know, like it. The first three quarters was definitely disappointing for the Canes. When you look at what in that game at Clemson, the fourth quarter, they kind of turned it around. They just found a way to win. They had 362 total yards, but 211 of those came on the ground. If you're a Virginia fan, that's the stat that you're looking at because although against North Carolina, they were able to shut down that ground game pretty effectively, that is historically the last two, three years has been where the defense has struggled, which has been on the ground. How would you sum up um, Miami's offense in that Clemson win? I, I know that Tyler Van Dyke is expected to play against Virginia, so it's a little different. But where have you seen the stride? Yeah, well, Miami definitely wants to run the ball, regardless of what quarterback's in. Even if their passing game is clicking, it's just the DNA that Mario Cristobal wants to have with the Hurricanes. They want to run the ball, uh, regardless even with the running backs. You know, they were missing Henry Parrish last week, their leading rusher against Clemson. And, and they, you know, they kind of mixed it up a little bit. They got Brashard Smith, usually a backup slot receiver, but he did play this running back role in high school, and, and he got a couple runs, and obviously, really ignited Miami with that 80-yard run. 
and he got a few carries there, but they get Don Chaney Jr., but he gets banged up late in the game. You know, they, they got A.J. Allen a lot of the carries. You know, he only had five carries the last two weeks coming into Clemson, but Miami wants to run the ball regardless of what backs they have available and regardless of what quarterback is going. But again, like you mentioned, Tyler Van Dyke is expected to play, according to Mario Cristobal, and certainly against Clemson. It was just one of those games that regardless of who was that quarterback, who was in or out, they needed to win. And I didn't touch on this earlier, but it's certainly a good win for Miami because the alternative, if you go to 0-3 in the conference, uh, it really changes your whole nature of how you feel about this season. But they get the win against a team they had really struggled against, like a lot of teams in the conference. But but it's a big win for Miami. Now they can kind of move forward. But certainly they, they want to run the ball. Um, they like to be balanced, but I know they definitely want to run the ball and they had some success. Obviously with the Tigers, that big, long 15-play uh, drive in the second half really helped get them back into the game. Yeah, and I feel like one of the things about Miami this season is the turnover battle there because in the losses to both North Carolina and Georgia Tech, they lost the turnover battle. Have you seen a commonality in those turnovers or the situations that Miami finds itself when it comes to those turnover issues? Yeah, they lost nine turnovers in those two games. And I know internally Miami felt like, look, if we just clean up the turnovers, which obviously all teams want to do, then we'll be fine. I know that that was a positive thinking. It's kind of been a mix. You know, there's been the interceptions. It's also been the fumbles, you know, obviously with the Don Cheney Jr. fumble, that, that, you know, took national headlines with the way Miami didn't kneel against Georgia Tech. That was a big one. But, yeah, Henry Parrish fumbled at the goal line um, going in for a touchdown. So they, they've lost fumbles and picks. Um, you know, it's just multiple players, you know, having issues with holding on to the ball. So, yeah, they, they've got to be better like all teams do, and that'll be something certainly moving forward, not just this game, but the rest of the season. Because if Miami gets into that situation where they start throwing picks again, you know, it's definitely could feel like uh, it's back to what it was when they when they really piled up because four and five turnovers in those two games, certainly not with what you want to do. It's hard to win games like that. Self-inflicted wounds. It seems like it's a theme for both Virginia and Miami uh, this year. The Virginia had a couple of self-inflicted wounds in the first half of the season that cost them games. Um, they were able to secure that win against North Carolina despite having two turnovers themselves and losing the turnover battle. And a lot of that it was because they won the physicality in the trenches. Virginia's offensive line controlled their line of scrimmage against UNC's defensive line. And I feel like that is a key battle for this matchup between Virginia and Miami. UVA's O-line has grown quite a lot since that first game with moving a couple pieces around with Brian Stevens going at center. But then I look at Ruben Bain, D-Liven from Miami, who was the 24-7 freshman of the week, I believe, this week. Um, and I can see why. I mean, eight tackles, two sacks, one forced fumble, 10 total pressures, which is, according to PFF, was second most for the edge rusher for edge rusher this season. And Clemson only had 0.9 yards per carry. What type of threat is he? What makes him such a challenge to go up again? Yeah, he's the, he's the real deal. That, that's the best way to describe him. Uh, he's going to wreck the ACC for the next few years. You know, th that's just what he is as a true freshman. This isn't one of these things where he just had a good game or he's having a good season or kind of flashing in moments. He, he's just a really good player, and he was at the high school level of Miami Central winning state championship after state championship. We saw him at the Under Armour All-America game, uh, really did well there as well. So he's just a really good player. The, the thing that makes him tough, most speed rushers, guys that can get to the quarterback, are good off the edge with, with their speed and their quickness, which he does have. But he has this unique ability with his power also. 
And I think, you know, th that's what surprises people. That's what makes them really tough to, to handle because he can kind of get you with a speed power combination. And usually you don't see that at that defensive end uh, spot there. And, and again, he's able to still have that power and rush the quarterback. So he's just a really unique, uniquely talented player that is going to continue to do well. And the one thing that I find really interesting the last few weeks and the production has been there and he stepped up in the spring. And as soon as he got on campus, he impressed his teammates and coaches, but he's playing a lot of snaps. He isn't one of these situations where, Oh, he's coming in on third down, you know, rush the quarterback type things. And that's sometimes what you see with young defensive ends, especially the guys that can get after the quarterback. We've seen it at Miami in recent years, but he's playing a lot of football. He's doing a good against a run. The upperclassmen don't treat him like a freshman. They don't, you know, if you watch him, if you see him, doesn't look like a freshman. He doesn't handle himself like a freshman either. Very business, business-like. And again, he's just a really good player and, and everybody will get a chance to see it as the rest of the season kind of unfolds. But again, years to come, he's just going to be a really good player. All right. My final question here, Miami will win if, and then your prediction. Yeah, we touched on the turnovers. I think you could probably say that with every game and every team, but I just think if they can kind of get back to, you know, running the ball consistently the the way that they would like, that they're not bogged down. And, you know, one of these things where it's, you know, three, three and a half yards per carry, like we saw the first two games in the ACC, you know, just kind of really establish an identity there. And then obviously getting guys involved in the passing game. Miami has three primary receivers. Those guys get the majority of the touches. And if Tyler Van Dyke, assuming he's back, which we expect him to be, but again, based on Cristobal's comments last week, he made it seem like Tyler was fine. Uh, and obviously he did not play, but yeah, I, th I just think that consistency and also to, and, and I think this is big. It, Miami lost to Georgia Tech, obviously with the way it ended, but Miami did not play well throughout the game. It put them in that situation, and I think that they definitely know that. Sure, they should have won the game the way it played out without taking a knee, but but Georgia Tech wasn't a very good team coming into that game. Miami has to look at look at that game like they're looking at Virginia. They're heavy favorites. They're expected to win, especially at home, like that game. So certainly Miami's got to just take care of business, and I think that, you know, when you go 0-2 out of the gate in the conference, you know, there's not a lot of room for error, and I think they know that. So I think that, you know, making sure they're locked in. This isn't a night game. Miami's played a lot of night games. You know, it's easy to get up for night games at home and, and whatnot. So I think Miami will win if they just kind of make sure they handle business and stick to their identity offensively. Yeah, I feel like a couple of things you said, I could have said exactly the same thing for Virginia when I'm talking about the keys of the game for them. So, Christopher, thank you so much for joining us and breaking down what the Miami Hurricanes need to do on the field against Virginia and for us to get to know a little bit more about the Hurricane. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks again for Christopher Stock for joining us on the show. Again, we love having our publishers from other sites on the podcast so they can talk about the team they cover because that's how we get to know a little bit more about the opponent. Now, I did promise you to talk a little bit about recruiting. If you're a Wildest 24-7 subscriber, we talked to several different recruits, over a dozen of these recruits, to hear their reaction about the win against North Carolina. And um, you can go on the Wildest247.com to get more of these reactions. But I want to read two or three of these so that you can get an idea of what recruits are saying. Um, one of the things here is uh, one of the targets for Virginia uh, Mikai White, who is currently committed to Maryland, said, big win for the program. The team competed, competed for all four quarters, and I love what I've seen from them on both sides of the ball. The program is definitely headed in the right direction. Offense made plays when they had to. The defense stepped up and made plays. 
one of the best offense in the country. Another recruit said that he was happy for Virginia to get the win, and it was good to see as a recruit because you want to win these games. So, again, it's been a lot of positive reaction from recruits. There, you know, if you look at a couple of recruits that seem that Virginia was out of it, like Mikai White is now taking a look at how the progress that Tony Elliott has brought to the team. So, again, the second half of the season could turn the tide in recruiting as well. I mean, on the field, performance is definitely something that recruits pay attention to and how they develop players. Seeing true freshman play is also something that these players are watching. So, again, recruiting is going to take some, was going to get some focus as well with Georgia Tech. They're having official visitors there. You also have Duke at home, and you also have that big in-state matchup against Virginia Tech before you have a couple of official visitors in December. So a lot of moving pieces coming, especially in the transfer portal coming up as well. So recruits are watching is how I can sum all this up. So again, thank you so much for listening or watching the show this week. And thanks for being your patient self as um, one, you bear with me as I'm on the road and recording this podcast from my hotel room, but also as we kind of figure out our new schedule um, with not having help on the editing side once a week. So we're still trying to manage that schedule with me also being on the road. Uh, that's been something that we've been trying to manage to see what works best there. Um, I will not be at Miami this week since I was traveling this week to basketball. Um, we will ha- go back on the road uh, later on in the season. But yeah, we'll have full coverage of that Miami game regardless on Wahoo's 24-7. And then obviously we'll prepare for the Miami game, but also we'll have post-game coverage. And we'll also have coverage from tip-off here in Charlotte. We've already talked to the women. We're speaking to the men on Wednesday. And then we'll have more media availability with both basketball programs next Monday. So a lot of basketball content, too, coming to the site and on YouTube, considering um, the season is about to tip off in about two weeks. And then also, if you're interested in the women's program, we just have a feature on both Olivia McGee and Kimora Johnson, two local playmakers who follow Sam Burnell's footsteps so that they're all playing for Virginia. So we have a story on them also on the site if you want to get your basketball um, stories and uh, try to prepare yourself for the season. So again, thank you so much for listening. And again, uh, we'll be back here probably next week. I might try to do a basketball podcast before this end of the week, but we'll definitely be back here to talk about the game against Miami on Tuesday. So for right now, for Christopher Stock, I'm Jack Fridchuli, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your Tuesday night and the rest of your week. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.